0: Hey, Daryl, you know what time it is? What time is it,
1: Gary It's time to get in the cab and ride along with these drivers out there.
0: Well, let's ride along with Dennis McKay. I hear he, he can shift that <laughs>
2: truck. Hey, how's your mama and them guys? Good. She's
1: good. 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 All right. Well, we're going to have a great time today. We've got Dennis McKay, Daryl Spicer, and yours truly in the cab with you. Rock and roll, driver. <laughs> Listen and enjoy today's program from Lonesome Road Ministries, Church on the Road. Give us a call. We look forward to hearing from you.
2: I keep those wheels to in. from town to town. There's so much I got to see. I got to look around. I got diesel smoke rolling from two crumb stacks. My address is 408-414 big blue Mac. Now it don't matter where I'm going, I just gotta drive. I have that white line fever to the day that I die. I said 18 wheels rolling on the road, it is my life.
1: our life, isn't it, Darrell? It sure is. Yeah, I'll tell you what now, we love riding up and down this old lonesome road with you drivers out there, and we're so thankful that you let us in the cab with you. We are. We just don't like riding across Arkansas. That I-30 is just too rough. <laughs> It's a washboard for sure. It but sure is. when you're riding in a truck like this, you hardly even feel it.
0: You don't. Back in the days when I drove that old cab over with no air ride, I couldn't even pick my nose going down through here. i poked poke my eyeball out from the inside.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was pretty tough uh, back before CB radio. Hey,
0: driver, how about turning that radio on? We're going to listen to a couple of songs, then we're going to listen to our good friend
1: Terry Hopkins. Well guys, I've got a brand new Joe RV CD here in my hand. Hey, why don't you play one of them and I'll pour us up a cup of coffee and let's listen to a little bit of Joe RV. Well here you go, friends, a Joe RV song by request, one of my favorites.
3: cry and said it is a boy. She said his name is Jesus. He was named that long before. I thought he must be precious in his mother's sight. I knew he found his mama when he held her finger tight. My emotions just run wild Should I laugh Or should I cry I didn't give him life But still he is my child I've never been this happy Anytime I can recall This miracle of life Is the greatest one of all He's just her baby little man. And I just think maybe he's got his daddy's hands. And I know he'll have to suffer misery and pain. But God has made his promise that someday he'll He's just her baby But to me he's the great I am She heard her baby cry When he looked up in the sky Hanging on across, cross Waiting there to die I thought he must be precious In his mother's sight In her mind she understands this But in her heart it's just not right He's just her baby Mama's little man I still think maybe he's got his daddy's hands. And I know he'll have to suffer misery and pain. But God has made his promise, and someday he'll rule and reign. He's still her baby. But to me, he's the great I am. To me, he's the great I am.
1: And now we have that message for you by our good friend
4: Terry Hopkins. Here's Terry. In the book of Judges, and don't turn there yet, it said after him was Shamgar the son of Anath, who killed hundreds of Philistines with a ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. Now here's a guy that just out of the blue, God throws in here and says he killed 600 Philistines with a stick. And then he says this huge thing just in such a small way, and he delivered Israel. And he didn't kill all 600 of them at one time. And, but let me tell you, if you study the life, and we're not going to this morning of Shamgar, but I would encourage you and challenge you to do that. There's three things that Shamgar taught us. And it was to start where you're at. Use what you've got and do what you can. And it doesn't get any harder than that. Start where you're at. Use what you've got. And do what you can. Brother Gary, I don't think you started out with a big building and a bunch of CDs, did you, brother? No, I don't think you did. I think He started out driving a truck. He didn't know what, nobody knew what an oil field chaplain was, did they? Huh? God did, didn't he? And now I'm going to tell you what Gary has done. He's taken not the good seed of the word of God, but he's taken the perfect seed. Seed of the Word of God. And now that is being distributed all over this nation. I mean, it's going into other countries now, isn't it, Brother Gary? Yes, sir. And then Danny, yesterday spent the day with him. Danny, I don't know that I've met anybody that has any greater heart for souls than you, my friend. And I want you to know what a blessing that it was to be with you yesterday and to visit people. And then last night after this service, sat with a man till 11 o'clock last night that just could not turn loose and still hadn't as far as we know today. And I don't understand that. Man, when I heard the gospel, I I didn't jump right on it, but it jumped right on me. (laughs) I mean, and listen, if you got your Bibles, open to Matthew 28. And we're going to start reading in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded, to you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Last words. Those were the last words that Jesus had on this planet for those men. Last words are so important. I remember the last words of my dad. I remember the last words of my mom before they left this earth. That's so important. Betty and I, I had gotten my first full-time job in the ministry. And I'm telling you what, I thought there is not anything any bigger than this. I am the associate pastor. I am the bus minister. I am the janitor. And and I'm telling you, I I did everything except pastor. Now, preacher, I don't know if you've been there, but it could have been, uh, happens to a lot of us. But I absolutely had fell in love with Jesus and absolutely loved what I was doing. And I tell you what, the little church was running about 150 people. And in my heart, I said, Lord, after cleaning that sanctuary and vacuuming and doing all that, I said, Lord, I don't know why in the world you've got me down here in this little old church when me and you both know I am probably the next Billy Graham. (laughs) I understood it. I didn't know why God didn't understand it. I knew. And I cleaned. And I remember going in that little old bathroom, that one stall bathroom, cleaning that toilet. And I thought, you know, I don't need to be doing this. I'm saved. I can preach. I can. And I came out of that bathroom, went to Sanctuary, was cleaning it, and I sat down, and God began to deal with me. He let me know that I was not the next Billy Graham, and he let me know that, hey, I'd just like for you to take a quick look, Terry, back to what I did for you, and then you tell me Is it a joy to do this for me? Because if it's not, you don't have to have a part in any of it. And I'm going to tell you something. I hit my face. I said, God, I repent. I am so sorry. And listen, I walked into that little old bathroom and I said, God, I want to thank you, Lord Jesus that I could clean a toilet, clean that sink. Lord, do anything for you. I'm so wrong, and Lord, I love you, and I'll clean that sink. And God, I said, I just pray while we're here, we'll win so many people to Jesus. I said, Lord, I pray that we'll just have to tear this bathroom out and and build bigger bathrooms. Three years later, you walk in that bathroom, and there was four toilets in that bathroom. You hear me? And man, i clean all four of them saying, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Listen to me, that was bigger than Billy Graham. God didn't need a Billy Graham. He had a Billy Graham. Betty and I, oh, listen, we, I love that little old church. Your first church you serve at, there's just a sweet spot there. You learn so much and you're ignorant. And and God just helps you and sends people there to help you. And, of course, we started buses and church started growing. And so many wonderful things happened there. Uh, We had a a little girl named Dana. You remember Dana Betty? Sweetest little old blonde-haired girl. And she rode the bus and just loved Dana. And Dana just loved her daddy and we'd visit them and her daddy loved her. I mean, there was no doubt about it, but he wouldn't come to church and he wouldn't get saved. So we had an idea, said, let's make a choir out of our bus kids and we'll invite the parents to come here. They'll come to church to hear their kids sing in the choir and they'll be our Sunday morning choir. So we got started teaching them some songs, and, and, and Dana said, my, my daddy's not going to come. I said, well, I bet he will. She said, I don't think he will. And I said, well, Dana, let me ask you something, sweetie. I said, do you pray at night? And she said, most of the time. I said, well, why, why don't, would your daddy pray with you just if you asked him to come in and sit while you prayed? She said, I think he would. I said, well, listen, this is what you're going to do. You go home and you ask him if he would come in and just while you prayed, don't ask him to pray. You just pray. And she said, okay. And I said, while you praying, you be sure every time you say, and Lord, I know I'm going to heaven and I know my daddy's going to hell and I want daddy to go to heaven with me. I don't want to be separated from my daddy. I said, sweetie, can you do that? She said, yes, sir. And she did. And let me tell you something, that Sunday morning came, we had all that choir in the bulletin. Man, we had everybody just pumped up about that, and here come all these parents in there. The choir got up there and the, uh, started singing. Man, they sounded like a bunch of little angels. And Dana's daddy come in and sit on the back row on that side, and Dana was standing on the front row right here, and I think Betty and I, I know I was down on the front row right there they started singing about jesus and jesus began to manifest himself in that place and people started crying and people started shouting and then all of a sudden heard this guy on the back row preacher he jumped up and said dana i don't want to go to hell (laughs) <laughs> he ran down that front aisle, my friend. He ran down that aisle, and she come out of that choir, and they met right there. When they did that, church exploded. You talking about running, man? They wasn't nothing but running room in there. I mean, they was running, they was shouting, and Dana's <laughs> his dad got, got born again. I mean, got saved right there. And I thought, you know, Lord, this, this, this such sweet memories. Uh, started a, a, a clothes closet and, and a food closet. And uh, they never had had one before. We started one. Lady came in there one day. <laughs> and uh, she's about nine months pregnant and uh, hungry and uh, living up in a crack house. And I said, you know what? I'm going to give you some groceries and all. I said, but me and my wife would come pick you up. And I said, uh, if you'd come Wednesday night, we'll take you out to eat. And she said, really? I said, yeah, we'll take you anywhere you want to go. She said, why? I said, well, you said you was hungry. She said, well, I am. And I said, well, you tell me. I said, we'll pick you up, come church. We, go. we did. She came. Took her to eat, didn't we, Betty? A few weeks later, she had that baby. And I thought, man alive, I was at the hospital and they brought that little old baby, that little girl out and and man, I looked at her and honest to goodness, I loved that child so much it scared me. I thought you're not supposed to get this involved uh, in ministry. I mean, you, you love them and you help them, but I felt something that, that, that was more than that. And so I left the hospital, Betty and I went back that night and then this lady tells us, says, I don't have anywhere to go And Betty said, well, of course you do. You're coming to our house. You're coming home with us. We're going to take care of you. and We're going to take care of your baby. She came. She stayed five weeks. And she abandoned. And found out some of the things. And just never accepted Christ. And that's her problem today. She just never accepted Christ. But that beautiful little girl <laughs> that I stood there. And loved so much. I didn't know, but God knew that was mine and Betty's daughter. God let us adopt that child. She just got married in August. Her husband just got saved about three weeks before they got married. God's dealing with him, he's on fire. Christina said, I'll never marry a preacher. And I'm praying God I'll call him to preach. Amen. <laughs> hey, but I love that church. I mean, I love the people of that church. I love the pastor of that church. But after five years, and listen, the last big day we had there, we had 1,400 in service. I mean, it's just a God thing. God just blew it up. And, and uh, God began to deal with me. And I, I, I wanted to reach the whole world and I had started a shortwave radio program. I'd take a cassette player home in the kitchen when nobody was there. I'd plug it in and I'd preach for about 20 minutes. Then I'd put music on it, kind of like you do, Brother Gary, put a little music in front and an invitation at the end and started sending that out and listen, started getting letters. But I thought, Lord, there's just a whole big world out there. I mean, a big world. And Lord, I want to reach it all. I mean, I, I, I want to reach this world for you. And God began to take, and I could feel him removing me from that wonderful, wonderful church. And finally, Betty and I, I said, Betty, I don't understand it. I said, But God's moving us. And I went and sat down with Brother Lloyd, who is still one of my very best friends, and told him, and I said, Son, I'm through, I'm done. I said, God's through with me here. He said, that can't be. I said, you're going to have to talk to God about it. I said, it, I'm done. And I said, you don't want me here out of the will of God. And he said, Brother Terry, what are you going to do? <laughs> I said, I don't know. Reach this world for Jesus if I can. He said, but Brother Terry he said, this church loves you. you. You've been here five years. You've been. I said, Brother, I'm just telling you, I know what God told me. He said, well, will you be back Sunday? I said, no, sir. I said, God said I was done, and and, and, and we left, and and I didn't know, kind of like what we did April the 6th uh, this year, (laughs) not afraid of that either. Two weeks, two weeks, I walked out of there, and a church in Georgia called me that was running 5,000 people, and said, I want to go to lunch with you. And could you go to lunch with us? And I said, sure, I'd go to lunch with you. Went to lunch with them. <laughs> they said, We'd, uh, you, we know about the buses and about that church stand there in group. He said, how would you like to be the minister of local missions? I said, well, let me pray about it. And let me talk to Betty about it. Let me talk to Jesus about it. And God called us to first... Baptist, sniffle. Now, when you say Baptist, you think dry, dead, most of them are, but this one wasn't. God was there. Now, I don't care what denomination it is or what's on the sign. If Jesus is there, it's right. It is just. Right. So we went and I was minister of local missions and God blessed that. And, you know, it was just wonderful in the whole nine yards. But I kept saying, Lord, but I want to reach this whole world. I want to have an opportunity. I want to have a chance. And I said, Lord, to see what it's like. And I I, I said, God. So I'd been there about a year. And they said, Terry, how'd you like to be the minister of missions? I said, minister of missions. And they said, yeah, that means local, national, national and foreign. I thought, well, it's about time. <laughs> I said, yes, yes. I said, I'd like that. They said, well, you're going to have to start and you're going to have to figure out how to get teams and where to go and what to First trip, I'd heard about a guy in India named Dr. M.A. Thomas. And I just, I knew that was the place to go. And I got a team to go. We got on an airplane in Atlanta. And listen, first time I'd ever been on an airplane. We got ready to go. The secretary there at church said, uh, who are your air miles with? And I said, I don't know who got them. <laughs> I ain't got them. <laughs> and that's the truth. I didn't know nothing about all that. But I'll tell you one thing. I prayed and I said, Lord, we're going to India. I said, ain't no telling what we're going to see. Ain't no telling what we're gonna do, Lord. I want to see what you're doing over there, Lord. I want to be a part and have a part in that. And I said, Lord, I can get on that airplane. I said, man, I, I want to be able to witness to the people on the airplane. Lord, you tell me what to do and how to do. And, 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 and oh God, I got on that plane, flew to Amsterdam, got on another plane going from Amsterdam to India. They put me on the very back of that airplane, in the middle seat, last seat in the back. And I'm sitting there, and as they loaded up, here come two young Hindu boys, Indians. One sat on this side, one sat on this side. And I said, well, Lord, look-a here. <laughs> <laughs> so the plane took off, and I thought, ain't no need to get in no rush. We got about six hours to spend together. So I got my Bible out. And I just started reading and I'd read two or three verses, preacher, and I'd shout, I'd go, Whoo-hoo! Lord of mercy, glory to God. And they'd look at me and I'd go, I'm sorry. I- I- and I'd read in a little while. I'd say, glory to God. Hallelujah. Finally, one of them said, you, you read the Bible. I said, yes, sir. I read the Bible. He said, do you believe the Bible? I said, yes, sir. I believe the Bible. I said, do you believe the Bible? He said, I I don't think so. And I said, well, what do you believe? Do you you believe? And said, well, said, listen, we're Hindu. We have lots of gods. And I said, whoa, lots of them. He said, we have lots of gods. I said, so like you have a heaven or a hell or how does that work? He said, uh, well, karma. He said, if you do good in this life and you die, then when you come back, you come back as something better. And I said, whoa. I said, how about that? I said, do you really believe that? He said, "Uh, yes. I looked at this guy and he said, oh, yes, yes. I said, well, well, let me tell you what I would do. I'm, I'm not a real smart man, but if I believed what you believed and I knew what you knew, I said, listen, I'd go on and kill myself and come on back. at something a little better. I said, just hurry this thing up, step it up. And they looked at me like, What? I said, well, if you believe you're doing pretty good now and you're going to die and come back as something better, why waste your time doing what you're doing now, man? Go ahead and come back and fly first class. (laughs) Made sense to me. It didn't make any sense to them. (laughs) Karma. Oh, my stars. So anyway, I, I, I didn't want to offend them. I just asking them just normal questions. So I kept reading, chatting, laughing, thanking God, praising God. And finally one of them said, uh, how, how many gods do you have? I said, I have one. And they said, only one? I said, only one. They said, oh. Okay. And one of them finally said, Well, who is your God? I said, His name is Jesus. And they said, Oh. And I said, Well, can I ask you a question? They said, Sure. I said, Could you get one of your gods, if you've got hundreds of them, to speak to me? Would that be too much to ask? Just to ask one of them, whichever one you want, whichever one you think would speak to me, but would you ask one of your gods speak to me? And they said, uh, well, I, I don't think that's possible. I said, well, let me ask you this. When's the last time one of your gods spoke to you? He said, I don't think we know what you mean. I said, huh. He said, so your God speaks? I said, yes, my God's alive. Yes, he speaks. He says, oh, then would he speak to us? I said, you better believe he would speak to you. I said, that's why you're sitting here, because he wants to speak to you. And he said, oh, okay. I said, now listen to me. I said, I want to just read one little verse out of this Bible. Is that okay? And it was okay. I said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I said, now, I want you, either one of you, tell me that's a lie. Tell me that's not so. God doesn't love the world. He doesn't care. Tell me what I just... And the one sitting on this side of me, he said, I can't. I said, why can't you? He said, there's something. And I said, whoa, you can stop right there, Doc. I said, that's something that's telling you that that's so. is the spirit of my God, of my God, Jesus. And he is telling you that that is the truth. Little fellow sitting on this side, I turned and looked. He says, oh, I I heard too. (laughs) (laughs) Church, we serve a risen Savior. I mean, listen, this morning come in here and fellowship with him. Jesus is aware of it. Jesus is here. He's alive. He's not dead He's not a God that can't speak. He's not a God that's made out of stone. He is, whoo, He's Jehovah God. He's the Holy One of Israel. He's the everlasting and eternal God. And listen, to fall in love with Jesus, you just got to know Jesus. And listen, I tell my daughter all the time, Christina, Jesus is not only holy, but he's the coolest friend you ever had. And he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And when your daddy can't be there, he's there with you. And he loves you supremely. And that's just the truth of it. Got to India. Whoa. Man, i never seen anything like that for in my life, brother. I mean, that's poor. I mean, they didn't have nothing. I mean, and, and this Dr. M.A. Thomas I wanted to meet him. I'd heard such wonderful things about him. And Dr. Bill Bright, I don't know if you ever knew him or read any of his books, but Dr. Bill Bright had had a part. What happened was Dr. Thomas got saved. He was a Hindu. And he got saved, but he was living in southern India. He had grown up in northern India, in Kota, India. He got saved, and he says, I, I need to take Jesus home Dakota and tell the people of Dakota about the real God and about the living God. Dr. Thomas had no money, a wife that was pregnant and one child and started walking across India. He would get to a village and he would stop to spend the night and end up spending days and sometimes week there. He would win that village to Jesus Christ. Bill Bright heard about it. This man that was trekking across India and planting churches as he went. And found Dr. M.A. Thomas. And when he found him, he, he said, Dr. Thomas, after he introduced himself, said, what could I do for you? He said, well... If you would see to give us the money to ride the train to Coda, he said, that would be a tremendous help. My wife is pregnant. He said, the child is tired. And they gave him the money to go to Coda. When he got to Coda, you know what they did? He started preaching. So they beat him and they arrested him. And you know what Dr. Thomas did? Same thing I did sitting in between those two Hindus on that airplane. In that jail, beaten and bloody, he said, glory to God, hallelujah, amen. He said, I was worthy to be beaten. I was worthy to be arrested. I thank God for this. And he told those men about Jesus. He began to get some of those men saved in that prison. Some of the guards started getting saved and the people in charge turned him loose. said, we don't need your kind in here. Dr. Thomas fell in love with Jesus and, and in this, he fell in love with orphans. When I got over there, he'd been doing this for quite a while. He had 6,000 orphans. I don't know how many orphanages, but he had 6,000 orphans and he had planted churches all over. And I asked him, I said, Dr. Thomas, I said, so these orphans, I said, who adopts them? he said, no one. I said, what do you mean? Nobody wants them. He said, well, of course someone wants them. Jesus wants them. I said, but you don't put them up for adoption. He said, no. Why would I do that? He said, they're God's orphans. They're here. He said, when they get old enough, we put them in school, in Bible school. And he said, we teach them the word of God. And he said, and we teach them how to be missionaries and we teach them what God says and we get them saved and said, we'll get them to fall in over Jesus. And he said, then Terry, we send them out. The next year when I went back to India, I went back for the graduation. Graduating 2,000 orphan pastors, 2,000. At the graduation, they had 2,000 bicycles, 2,000 study Bibles. Inside those Bibles was a $20 bill that people had raised for Dr. Thomas to give those orphan pastors. I believe when we started with this, we said, start where you're at, use what you got. And just do what you can. Dr. Thomas did that. He just started where he was at in South India. He used what he had, his love for Jesus. And he was doing what he could. And I asked Dr. Thomas, I said, so after the graduation, they leave? And he said, yes. And I said, well, how long before they come back? He said, Boy, they don't come back. They're missionaries. Why would they come back? And I thought about our little two year program. We send them somewhere for two years, and by the time they learn the language, they come home, you send them somewhere else. And he said, No. He said, They don't come back. Dr. Thomas, he was one of the most godly, Jesus filled men I've ever met. And he afforded me one day the honor. He says, I want to take you to the leper colony. I said, okay. He said, I want you to preach. I said, okay. He said, I want you to preach. He said, they don't know what a 55 Oldsmobile is. (laughs) I said, okay, Dr. Thomas. He said, I'll interpret. You preach. I said, okay. We went to the leper colony. I've never seen anything like it, Brother Danny. Missing their little hands, ears. It was just unbelievable. But had such a great spirit about him, And we preached and God moved. And we went back and a lot of the other pastors were there and we were eating that night. And as we ate, <laughs> he, he just loved life. He loved, loved people. And I said, Dr. Thomas, could I ask you something? He said, Certainly. I said, Dr. Thomas, when we went to the leper colony today, I said, I preached and you spoke and interpreted. He said, yes. I said, did you say anything I said? He said, no, boy, I preached. (laughs) (laughs) That was just the beginning of God allowing me to go all over this world. And you know how Jesus does it in India or how Jesus does it in China or the Ukraine or Germany or Wales? He does it exactly the same. He's the never changing God. And it doesn't matter if he's dealing with uh, an M.A. Thomas in South India or if he's dealing Dealing with somebody that's right here in South Illinois. He does the same thing. Then what do you have? You have the same opportunity to start where you're at. Use what you got. Do what you can. And everybody's not supposed to do the same thing. But if you know him and you want to do something, trust me, he's got something for you to do. After India, I thought it doesn't get any, there's just no way it get any better than this. It's just absolutely, I, I've seen God do these miraculous things. I, I don't. And by the way, when we were in India at the graduation, some of the militant Hindu would Group of boys came in and they had beaten those boys and told them not to come to the graduation and that they were going to come to the graduation and they were going to kill as many of these orphan pastors and Dr. Thomas. And they beat these boys, urinated on their Bibles, and sent them to give Dr. Thomas the message. And I was there when they came in. I saw them beaten and bloody. And I heard them when they told Dr. Thomas. And Dr. Thomas saw to it that they got fixed up and so saw to it. The graduation started, and Dr. Thomas came to the platform, and he says, I understand we have some friends here today that maybe were not invited. He said, but I want to tell you, you weren't invited by Dr. M.A. Thomas or by the orphans pastors. He said, but if you're here, Jesus Christ has invited you here today and you're not going to hurt anyone. You're going to get something today that you need from a true and living God. Nobody was shot. Nobody was killed. Don't know what God did with those guys, if they came or didn't come. But I thought, here's a man that would stand there. That's been threatened. They're going to kill you. They couldn't kill him. And you know what? Ain't nobody kill you. And did you, you know what? There's nobody that can stop you, but you. Say, well, if it wasn't for someone, we visited yesterday, Brother Danny and his people. Well. <laughs> One of the guys we visited, I mean, he was a character. I mean, well, everybody Danny knew was a character because he was a character. But he's he'd cussing a little bit. I mean, you could tell he was seasoned. And, and uh, so finally he, he looked in the truck window there and kind of looked at me and looked at Danny. And he said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, I went down to that church one time. And he said, there's a man sat on the front row of that church. I knew that man. He said, that's the biggest hypocrite in town. He said, I ain't going down to that church no hypocrite. And I said, well, uh, could I ask you a question? He said, yeah. Well, he said, blank, yeah. And I said, well, I said, uh, I believe you. I believe what you said. I believe you've probably found a hypocrite. They were sitting on the front row. And I said, but this is the question you got to answer. Would you rather go to church with a handful of hypocrites or go to hell with all of them? <laughs> Logical to me. Don't that make sense, preacher? And he stepped back and he said, I don't want to go to hell. And Danny said, well, there's not three choices. There's only two choices, friend. Pray for him and pray for Danny. He doesn't give up on him. He feeds him, loves him, visits him. He's going to love him to Jesus. But I'm going to close with this. It it just, I got to go to China. And in China, they have underground churches. And if you ever go to China and ever go to underground churches you'll appreciate so much more the liberty and the freedom that we have to come in here this morning and, and to worship. And we're not worried about somebody coming in here and shutting the door down or, or whatever. Well, anyway, we flew into Hong Kong, and we met with the International Mission Board, and they told us they were going to send us, uh, and they wouldn't tell us where. They said, but you can't take your Bible, you can't take any tracts, because if they find a Bible or tracks, they're going to put you in jail where you're going. Not in Hong Kong, but where they were sending us. We took two or three little puddle jumpers. And I honestly, to this day, couldn't tell you where we ended up. The last leg of the journey was by horseback. And we had wanted to go on that trip for almost a year. Remember, Betty? And they kept putting it off and putting it off for different reasons. Well we We came over this little mountaintop and had this one i m b missionary with us, and all of a sudden here's the biggest hugest monastery and these monks and and, and they walk around barefooted and they got on those robes and, and they got these prayer things that they 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 believe they turn those, and it throws the prayers out to Buddha and Buddha catches the prayers and and uh Man, some people just believe anything before they believe God. Well, I saw that, and the oppression was so bad, I thought, you know, I'm tired. Lord, I've seen enough. I want to go home. And I mean, I wanted to go home. If I could have pushed a button at that moment, the oppression was so great. If, if God said, all right, you push that button, you go home, you don't come back anymore. Gary, yeah, I think I might want to push that button. And that IMB missionary said, said no, come on, let's go down and we got down there and got within ear range of them, and he said, "Let's sing a hymn." And I thought, "Man, I don't sing no hymn. I don't go home. I don't sing." And he started singing, and I tried. And, and he read a little scripture. And then we sang some more. And those guys, I'm telling you, uh, Satan's real. Demons are real. We quit singing, and we could hear some noise on the other side of the hill. And he said, let's walk back here. I didn't want to walk back there. I wanted to get out of there. We walked back there, and here's this wooden little shack that's got seven or eight anvils in it. It's got five or six people, and 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 their Buddhas sitting outside, eight and ten feet tall. You've seen them, those golden... Statues of Buddha. And they're there making them. And the IMB missionary talks to them and talks to them in their language. And, and, and he agrees. And then he tells us, everybody sit down. And, and he took and put a DVD player on top of a stump. And started playing the Jesus film in their language. And when it got to the part in the Jesus film where they were nailing Jesus on a tree... They gasped. They were like, oh, oh. And, they, and, and, the, and the missionary stopped it and, and uh, he began to talk to him. And before he turned it back on, he said, they want to know why anyone would do that to any man. Why would they put those nails in his hands and those nails in his feet? And, of course, he told them the gospel because he loved you. He had to pay for sins. They watched the entire Jesus film. That missionary led those men to Jesus. Now listen to this. So they took us back. The next day we just had to stay where we were at, not go out. They went back to confirm that these men had made real decisions. And then they continued to go back. Now the reason God put our trip off was because, uh, like, and I honestly don't remember if it was four or five different people groups that we were trying to reach. Well, the IMB had a DVD player that was solar-powered, and they had the Jesus film in their language. Those men that got saved were only there for like 60 days, and then another set of people came in to continue the work making their God, their Buddha. Those men went back to their villages with the Jesus film, with a DVD that was solar powered to show the people in their village what Jesus Christ had done for them and would do for them. Church... When you surrender to Jesus, you better hang on. He will absolutely let you do things you never dreamed. He will take you places you thought you would never go. And I'm going to tell you what, last night, I don't remember who said it, Brother Danny. But no, it was Rhoda told, told this guy that we were listening to, said, listen, you, you partied all your life. She said, you don't know what partying is. She said, the best fun you'll ever have is as a Christian. And that's the truth. I'm telling you what, when God blesses you, you are blessed. So you say, Brother Terry, well, how did all this happen? Because we got saved. We started where we were at. We used what we had. And we did what we could. When I first got saved, kids would come up and sneak in our swimming pool. And, and, and we would be driving out, and I came back one day, and the pool was full of kids. So I, I thought, I know what I'll do. I said, I went out there, and I, I didn't get mad. I said, hey, guys, I tell you what, I know you all want to swim. Before then, they, you know, I was drinking, and they wouldn't. But I said, I tell you what, if you'll come up here Saturday morning, And just take about a 15-minute Bible. Let me just give you 15 minutes of the Bible. You can swim all you want to. You know what I thought, preacher? I thought then it doesn't get any bigger than that. So you got to start where you're at. Use what you got. And just simply do what you can. Now, if you're not saved and you're here today, and there were people here last night that walked away That we're unsaved. What do you do about that? You start where you're at. Right here. Today. In the now and now. Today. You start here. You use what you got. Well, what have you got for salvation? You've got the Son of God that hung on the cross and shed His blood and paid your sin debt. That's what you've got. Do what you can. All you can do. You can't live good enough. You can't be good enough. Jesus did all the work on Calvary. When Jesus Christ said, it is finished, he meant salvation work was done. He had done everything that was required of God's character to pay for our sin. It had to be paid for. And there was no one that could pay for it. No one. Not Abraham. Not Isaac. No one. Not King David. All had sinned. All had come short of the glory of God. So all you can do is simply say, God, I hear it. I understand it. That man told us last night, said, when I hold on that like it's like something's pulling me. I said, that something is God And he said, I have to hold on for what? I said, do you realize you're letting other people and people that have hurt you, you're giving them the power. You're willing to go to hell for what they've done. You're not even considering your own heart and your own self. Your part. Repent. God, you are so holy and so right. And I am so wrong. You know how many laws you had to break to be a lawbreaker? One. You know what you had to do to need to be saved? You just had to be born. It said, wherefore, as one man's sin came into the world, so death passed upon all men that all have sinned. Because of Adam, you was born a sinner. That's why the virgin birth. Jesus Didn't have an earthly father. He was virgin born because God placed him in Mary's womb and he was not born a sinner or born of the line of Adam. Jesus Christ was born the sinless son of God. And that precious God never committed a sin, never did one thing wrong and made statements that nobody could understand. Imagine me standing up here telling you. I am the bread of life. You'd say you are not nothing, Terry Hopkins. Jesus was that bread of life. Jesus was the one that shed that blood. What we did in communion this morning, he said, you just do that in remembrance of me and what I did. I became the bread of life. I shed my blood on Calvary for each one of you. So, Christian, today, start where you at. Use what you got. Just do what you can. Lost person? Why not today? Start right here. Accept Christ and let him live his life through you.
1: All right, friends, God is speaking to you right now. You're not sure if you're saved. Well, we're going to give you that chance right now. I want to pray with each and every one of you right now, and we're going to make sure that you are saved and on your way to heaven. Pray with me right now if you're not sure, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you want to make Him your Lord and Savior, pray with me right now. Lord Jesus Forgive me for my sins. Lord, I want to be a Christian. I want to spend eternity in heaven with you. Father, take out my old heart. Give me a new heart. Give me a purpose and a plan for my life. I want to serve you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, friends, if you prayed that prayer, then we want to hear from you right now. Give us a call, 618 618- 383
0: 2107 Drivers, the Bible says, I know the plans I have for you. And when you get in the will of God, the life is easy to live for God. Now, I'm not saying it's the easiest thing in the world to do, but i tell you this. When you're not in the will of God, life is tough. So if you say that prayer, give us a call at Lunker Road Ministries.
1: 618 383 2107. Log on to our website, lonesomeroad.org. We want to send you free CDs to help you as you travel and to strengthen you in this brand new walk. If you'd like to give Dennis McKay a call and talk to him, his phone number is 662-889-2829. And we want to help you drivers out there. That's that's the reason we do this program is for you out there on that old lonesome road.
2: At the crossroads of life Lost without hope 18 wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track the preacher had read His words still echoing in the back of my head I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past Then I called his name, this chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree. I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross. Broken hearted and lonesome, so long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of mist. tree.